Developers, 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 developers. Developers, 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 developers. Hello, and welcome to the Static Void Podcast. I'm Jess Chadwick. I'm Todd Slater. And I'm Chris Gomez. And we are your hosts. Uh, we're recording this on the evening of November 24th, 2015, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking about TypeScript, uh, except I'm kind of a fanboy of TypeScript, and I've been trying to convince Todd of how awesome it is for about two years now, and so finally, we've each taken a full week to do our research and organize our thoughts, so for the next hour or so, we're just going to lay it on the line and just battle it out. I've asked Chris to be the referee for this discussion, but he's got his opinions too, so he's no innocent, unbiased bystander, <laughs> uh, which means that I think this should be a pretty good show. Right. Thanks, Jess. So TypeScript was a language unveiled to the world in October 2012, and standing on stage to do it was Anders Heilsberg, who I think most people widely know as the father of C Sharp. I mean, in previous lives, he was heavily involved with Pascal, but came to Microsoft to challenge Java with the C-sharp language. And he introduced uh, this new project that he had a part in leading, TypeScript. He told the world that JavaScript was not suited for, quote, application scale, and that static typing was truly needed to enable things such as enterprise-level IDE support. Uh, in 2014, TypeScript was uh, declared a 1.0, and it actually moved to GitHub. And just last week at the Connect event, that we talked about at our last podcast, Anders himself stood on stage with Jules Kremer from Google to confirm to the world that TypeScript is the language that Angular 2 is being written in and that they're using products like Visual Studio Code. So TypeScript has really uh, moved forward quickly in just a matter of three years from being a language that was a superset of JavaScript. Um, I believe Anders would always say that all valid uh, JavaScript is valid TypeScript. And then what TypeScript does is you you work in this language that provides you a tighter concept of classes, uh, some static typing, has some features that are compatible with the upcoming ES6, the ECMAScript 6 version of uh, JavaScript. And uh, then it compiles down to JavaScript at build time. And so it's actually TypeScript is not actually delivered to your browser, but the uh, compiled down or sometimes we we'll use the term transpiled down uh, JavaScript is what gets delivered as part of your yep. application. So having heard that uh, JavaScript is not suited for application scale and knowing that there have been some other contenders to uh, the throne of, of a JavaScript replacement language. Um, Jess, why do you think we need TypeScript? Well, for, I mean, for me, it basically comes down to static typing over dynamic typing, right? And so that's going to be a lot of my arguments in this discussion are going to come down to that. And it doesn't really have anything to do with JavaScript in particular, although JavaScript does have its shortcomings that, that TypeScript does help you uh, help you overcome. Um, I mean, for me, dynamic languages have been historically more productive, but they, they do that by cutting all of that pesky explicitness, right? And so for me, explicitness is kind of a good thing. So like, meanwhile, statically type languages help avoid many kinds of bugs before the code even runs. And it happens at the expense of the, of your bloody fingers because of how much typing you need to do, right? I mean, it, that's kind of what it comes down to. So but the, the power for me with TypeScript is that it allows you to take advantage of either the power of JavaScript's dynamic nature 
or the static, the, the, uh, the safety of static typing, um, or you can just switch between the two, right? Whenever it's, whenever it suits you. So you can actually like leverage both at the same time. You can use JavaScript's dynamic nature and static typing and actually combine them, um, when it suits you. And so it's like this great middle ground because JavaScript underneath it all at the end of the day, it's all just JavaScript and JavaScript is a dynamic language and you, you kind of throw types on top of it just at compile time, not at runtime. You throw typing on top of it and it helps bring it to that next level and it helps kind of get around all of the drawbacks of inherently in pretty much any dynamic language. Um, I mean, you also mentioned other transpilers. So it's not like transpilation, writing JavaScript code in another language and then kind of parsing it down or compiling it down um, into... Uh, into JavaScript is is a new thing. Like CoffeeScript has been around for a really long time, and that was really um, that that was really popular when it came out. Still is popular, um, but mostly because it allowed you to it, it kind of helped you get away from some of the the downsides of of, of JavaScript. Some of the the, the, the tips and tracks uh, tips uh, the, the 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 downsides. Um, you know, double equals versus triple equals and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, some people liked it because you were able to uh, develop in a little bit more expressive manner. You know, they like the syntax of, of CoffeeScript better than, than JavaScript. Um, but ultimately what it comes down for me is that TypeScript really is just JavaScript. It's, it's JavaScript plus some more stuff. And it's that more stuff that is really just truly the icing on the cake. But at the end of the day, it's just JavaScript. Okay. So, um, you know, TypeScript adds some features that especially a C-sharp developer would be used to. And I think, Todd, it's fair to say that, you know, you're a fan of .NET, C-sharp, and languages that embrace some of these techniques. Uh you know, static typing, um, having real strong public private encapsulation. So in light of all that, why not TypeScript? So, um, from my point of view, the, the problem isn't TypeScript. It's what are we trying to solve? What is the problem we're trying to solve? If you look at a, the bigger picture, um, there's lots of other things that do transcompiler stuff. There's just mentioned CoffeeScript, there's Babel, there's some other ones that do that kind of stuff. Um, even Microsoft at one point had a way of doing taking C-sharp code and converting it down to, to JavaScript code. And even on the the CSS side of things, there's like Less and Sass that's trying to reinvent better ways to deal with pure web stuff. And someone who spent pretty much nearly six years really studying web technologies, JavaScript and CSS, I just don't think they're solving the right problems. I think they're they're just adding layers on top that at the end of the day, when I'm living in the browser, where I'm doing my development, I live in the browser, I live in the Chrome tools, I'm looking at CSS, I'm looking at JavaScript. Whether it's TypeScript or uh, Less or SAS, I'm writing one way, and all of a sudden when I'm running in, in the browser, it's a different thing. Um, and just mentioned that the TypeScript solves a lot of problems for JavaScript, and I have to disagree with that. It adds a, a, a layer that does give you some compile time checking, but ultimately, the web is dynamic in nature. And a lot of times you have to deal with the dynamic nature of the web, particularly if you're, you're getting data from different places through JSON data. There is no format to JSON data. It's just a JavaScript object serialized. And then I bring it down. 
all of a sudden, all that type checking I had in compile time is gone. I don't have that runtime type checking. I do think classes and interfaces are interesting. The question is, and I really don't have a full opinion if I'm 100% for or against them, JavaScript is a functional language at its heart. And when I look at TypeScript, what I see is basically it's trying to bring concepts from OOP into this functional language, which ultimately don't work because when it compiles, it goes back into pure JavaScript. So I might say class, constructor, method one, method two, and all of a sudden when I'm looking at the code in my IDE, it's back to JavaScript. And you mentioned Andrews was saying it, it solves a lot of problems for JavaScript. Again, I have to disagree because if ultimately what I'm running in my application is JavaScript and I have to debug it in the application as JavaScript, it's still JavaScript. Editing types and things aren't the right answer. Now, I've changed my opinion on transcompilers. I I'm, I'm still have very mixed feelings about them, but I actually think that the web is moving in a couple different directions and things I'm hoping we can talk about at some point that I think are more important than editing types. Okay, so let me let me drill down to one of those points. Um, let's forget for a second um, maybe what your opinion is on whether you want a language that's statically typed, dynamically typed. Let's just throw all that out for, for a brief second and say, at its heart, the purpose of delivering content to a browser, to the user that's going to come to your website, is you need to bring down to them HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. For a long time now, we have had a lot of ways to do that, maybe using server-side frameworks like ASP.NET MVC, other languages, or nowadays uh, we're starting to maybe use some client-side frameworks. In the end, we're getting them HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Are you saying that because that's what gets delivered to the browser, that you place an importance on that that's uh, above the need for developer convenience of having um, a paradigm, a programming paradigm they might like. So I ultimately think it comes down to preference for the developer. They have to decide what makes sense. I'm not telling you don't use TypeScript. It's evil. You have to figure out if that makes sense for you. The problem I have with it is ultimately when you need to debug your application, which when you're writing web code, when you're writing web development, you're doing it almost every minute, every second. You're not dealing with TypeScript. You're dealing with JavaScript. Now, there is some ways because you debug in Chrome typically, right? Yeah, that's where you that's live when you're debugging. Well, so, no, I, okay. I got to jump in here because that's just not true. Because there are source maps, right? So, well, that's where I was going to come back to Jess. And why don't we take a second? I'll let I'll let you finish, Todd. But I was going to ask you in your day to day work, you know, how do you get back to your source code? And so, go ahead and introduce source maps for us. So it was funny. I was actually going to mention there there are source maps which which are kind of interesting. But I kind of look at it is well, that's good and convenient for the developer. That's not ultimately the code my end user is running. I want to deal with the code my end user is running. I don't want any extra layers on top. Is it easy to use source maps, Jess? How does it how does it feel for the developer working on this? Support has been increasing over the past couple of years. Uh, you know, last year or so, I guess early last year, early 2014, when I first started really heavily using TypeScript, um, the source maps just sucked and. I don't know if it was the source maps for TypeScript, like the the um, the source maps that TypeScript the TypeScript compiler output, or if it was just source map support in general. But I mean, source source maps at their heart are just a browser feature. They're they're a browser. I don't know if they're a standard, but they're a de facto standard, meaning that they are a file that that maps um, 
the JavaScript that is output from a transpiler to a certain line and, and care even character of code in the source code. In other words, if you use CoffeeScript, if you use TypeScript, then the code that is run the JavaScript code that is running on the browser, that variable, you know, that is a JavaScript variable in the browser will get mapped to that variable back in the CoffeeScript code or the TypeScript code. Okay. And so when we're talking about debugging, you actually, if you put a breakpoint, you can put a breakpoint in your TypeScript file and you can actually, it's, it's all magic, right? So the source, co- the source maps are all magic, meaning the browser is mapping in between the, the JavaScript that is running and the, the, the source code that you're looking at it and it appears like you're stepping through. So to Todd's point, it is an extra layer that is not actually what's running. And I appreciate that point. But in practice, it, it really, it's, it's, it, it doesn't matter. Well, you could say it's like it's like our C sharp debugging. There's a PDB file, and it's it's linking symbols back up so that we can have the illusion that we are stepping through this code line by line when that's really not exactly actually what's exactly. happening. Exactly. Yes. So yes. so let's so let's get away from that abstraction. And, and if you if you have an answer, if this would be awesome for the folks listening, you know, I'm I I've heard Jess talk about source maps. I think that sounds great. I want to try it out for myself. Is it easy to do in Visual Studio? Do source maps get sent down to the client as part of the delivery? What's going on there? So from what I understand, the browser will ask for a source map. Or no, I'm sorry. When when the transpiler um, creates the, the the output, the JavaScript output, at the end it will it, it has a directive basically that says source here's your source map, right? Here's the here's the address for your source map, and it'll give a source map file name. And whenever the browser sees that directive, it goes and it tries to grab that file and it'll pull it down. So this is it's the responsibility of the compiler, the transpiler, right? The the TypeScript compiler or the CoffeeScript compiler to generate to add this directive at the end of the the compiled JavaScript, the transpiled JavaScript, and then also produce the the associated source map file at, that is available. And so when you deploy your application, you're deploying your JavaScript and you're deploying these source map files if you want to be able to to debug. Um, but after that, it's all pure browser, native browser implementation. The browser will get it. The browser will use the source map to map lines of code to to lines of your uh, your source code, li- lines of JavaScript code to lines of your source code, um, so that when you get in there and you're actually debugging, you set a breakpoint on the TypeScript file, and then you can hit F10, you can hit F11, you can you can dive into it, you can hover over it. You know, you can hover over a variable and see the value and you get that full rich debugging support right there in your TypeScript file. At least it looks that way. And frankly, that's all that matters. I mean, and you bring up a great point, Chris, that, you know, like you're running IL when you're running .NET, you're running IL. You're not and you're looking at PDBs when you're debugging that. Right. So, I mean, Todd, do you debug IL? I mean, do you run IL? That's a layer of abstraction that's there for debugging. Actually, I have it sometimes. That's an easy easy way to direction to go to say it's like IL, but that's not correct because the browser's interpreting JavaScript. Um, The .NET runtime is interpreting IL. Yeah, but ultimately, I want to to step through the code. I want to step through the code the end user's using. The other thing to keep in mind is, and I want to get too, too caught down in in debugging here is when you take a step back and you look at JavaScript and the problems of JavaScript, there are types. The types are quite weak. There's number, there's string, there's date, which someday someone will solve date, but until they do, it's hell. And then there's objects or functions, right? Even though you could argue your object and functions are, are something slightly different. When I go into a type system like .NET, C Sharp, 
I get ints, I get floats, I get longs, I get shorts, I got structs. That's a full type system. Nah, it's the same thing. I mean, you have more number types, yes. But other than that, it's it's the same thing. You're just saying you have a limited number of primitive types. Right. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not looking for... Uh, well, so it depends, right? But there's a part of me that is actually happy to have one number type. It's just that it's possible that the JavaScript folks pick the wrong one because we need a number type that works well with decimal. Yeah. And and listen, I'm not saying that this is exactly going to be a problem. I don't exactly have a math problem in front of me that that is, but if 1.01 plus 1.01 is not going to be 2.02, that doesn't help most application developers. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And so you could you could my point of view Todd is just like I think they picked the wrong type and I have to admit you know, somebody had to tell me that I didn't know that until it was demonstrated to me. And then I said, boy, that's too bad because, um, I, I'm not sure that, it, and it's purely for an, for a systems level language. Do, do you need more direct control over the memory and the size and the, 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 the ability of what your numbers can do? I, I think so. But if I treat JavaScript as an application language, I don't know that I care about that, but I understand that that's, that's a problem. Well, and, and to people. be clear, when you define <laughs> a type dynamically in JavaScript, and when I say define a type, I mean define a structure, define an object. When you create an object and then you just start adding properties to it, the browser, any browser implementation, every Java, any JavaScript implementation is, is, is defining a type for that. It's doing it on the fly, right? So there is a type system in every single JavaScript implementation today. So talking about, about TypeScript, okay, so, so that leads to a great segue uh in javascript um there are intrinsic objects intrinsic types um things like number boolean uh, array function and then there's some a string and then there's some weird ones like you said todd like date and red reg exp which i'm not sure we use on a daily basis because they're weird and strange but one of the ones that we come back to time and again is object which in the end is they're really just property bags. You know, here's a property, here's a value, here's a property, here's a value. When I get an object from you in a function, you know, when I, I get an object in a, you call a function of mine and pass an object, I basically just say, well, is a dot, dot duck there? It is? Great. Then I can use it. And I'm not going to know at the immediately whether it is a string or a number or even another object, right? So let's talk about how TypeScript changes that equation. So the, the first thing you're going to notice when you start using TypeScript and you start using an editor that supports TypeScript, that understands TypeScript and, and offers you IntelliSense, um, well, the best editor that, that I've used so far is Visual Studio Code. Visual, Visual Studio, the full Visual Studio is also really good. Um, but there's others like WebStorm and you know pretty much any kind of mainstream editor these days has support for, uh, for TypeScript. And so you'll start getting IntelliSense. And you'll start getting IntelliSense just right off the bat, just because TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript, you'll actually start getting some IntelliSense on your JavaScript objects. Um, and so the thing that you get out of the box with those native types, things like date and things like regex, is you'll actually start getting really good autocomplete um, just, just from the beginning. Um, a lot of people dismiss that to say that any good JavaScript editor already has 
good autocomplete on things that are out of the box. So that's not really buying you much. And, and I completely agree with that, right? But then once you just go the, the one step further where you start defining even just very basic classes or, or interfaces or you know just very basic types, be they classes or interfaces, um, now all of a sudden your IntelliSense gets a lot more intelligent. Now, instead of saying, you know, you hit dot and you get all of the options that you can select for all the members on that instance, it, with a JavaScript editor, with with pretty much any JavaScript editor today, it'll say, here are all the, the properties and methods, the names of the properties and methods that you've ever referenced in your entire project on any object ever, right? And you can start typing, right? You can start, just start typing, if you're typing name, you can start typing N, A, and it'll kind of limit down the list, right? But with TypeScript, you'll it'll say, here are all of those members on this type, that you're using the type of this this variable right now, and you only had four of them. You only you only defined four members on there, and so here are those four. Pick one of your four, right? And you literally it it discourages you from typing anything else. Of course, you can ignore the IntelliSense and you can just start typing whatever you want because ultimately it's JavaScript. It's still dynamic. You can still do that. It's legitimate. But TypeScript is helping you just by kind of limiting your options to the correct options. Okay. Now, will it when it when you go to compile this TypeScript, uh, the fact that you tried to send a string parameter into a function that you said takes a number for that parameter, what will it do? It will warn you at compile time and it will continue to compile down to JavaScript and it'll right, so it'll just tell you. It'll say, hey, you probably don't want to do this. It'll give you the red squigglies in the editor to show you you've got you've got a quote error, right? This this is a syntactic error basically. Not a syntactic in other words in, in the terms that your code yeah, won't sure. run, but you know, syntactic in that, you know, from all of the my knowledge of this code this is not a, a proper member. This is not a member on this instance. So, but it's not going it to actually still generate the JavaScript. Yes, it's not going to stop okay. you from doing it. Okay, right? you you have to have pretty massive. Uh, there there are classes of errors that it just simply will refuse to generate it. But they have to be yeah. pretty bad. And frankly, I don't I don't really know exactly what they are, and it hasn't really gotten in my way. Um, it, okay, so that's for type mismatch. What about for just if I go. You know, like you said, there's great IntelliSense so that when I take an object down and it knows about what it believes you would think of as instance members, you know, data members on that object. And I go and, and just add a new one, you know, dot duck or dot whatever. Uh, again, that's a warning, but it'll still go ahead and create the JavaScript. And I guess if we don't know, it's not super important. Idiomatic TypeScript, you writing proper TypeScript wouldn't do that because you're getting the warnings. Yes, right. You're, you're getting the warnings. You can also do things like casting. And casting in TypeScript is a little bit different than a traditional statically typed language where casting is literally, you know, taking that object and representing it as another type. Casting in TypeScript is really telling the TypeScript compiler, you know, for this instance, for, the, for this reference that I'm casting, treat it as this type. So it's still duck typing. But it's just okay. it's telling TypeScript, hey, okay, treat it as this type, right? So in other words, you can define this object, you can define an instance of an object, and now you can go crazy with it, right? You can you can define it as an instance of one type, and then you can cast it to another type and start interacting with it on that type with full IntelliSense and everything, and you're still working on that same object. And so now that object via duck typing, which is exactly what JavaScript in, encourages, right? It is both of those objects at the same time. It's both of those types at the same time. Okay, so Todd, if we use TypeScript 
and we get this static typing, which prevents type mismatch, uh, in, you know, getting the developer intent correct that they wanted to pass this type. Are we losing features of JavaScript that actually make it effective and useful for you from day to day? From the limited amount of job or TypeScript I've done over the last like few weeks, I haven't seen anything. But one of my big concerns is the idea of what we refer to as a leaky abstraction. Ultimately, I have to know what the, the JavaScript is doing. A lot of those examples I've seen are very basic examples. So ultimately, I think you're not losing anything, which is a good thing, but I think it gives you a false set of hope. Like, all right, I've, I've compiled code. I've, I've never seen so many people, developers, I've come across go, my code compiles, it's good. It, it doesn't have any errors, it doesn't have any bugs. That's not correct. Compiled code is just one step. Actually testing the code and making sure it works in the environment you need to work in is critical. And while adding types is, is, is an interesting thing, it just feels like we're putting lipstick on the pig. I feel like we're just we're trying to pretty up our objects and things. Is it that JavaScript is the problem, Todd? Oh, uh, without a question. Actually, I think it's even bigger than JavaScript. It's that the the complexity of building applications, and, and maybe this isn't for everyone. Maybe this is just something I run into since I tend to be very focused on building a very complex UI applications. I don't write a whole lot of JavaScript code. If I'm doing my solution correct, I'm writing very little JavaScript code. Most of the time, it's make an Ajax call, get some JSON data, wrap it into a view model or controller, and take advantage of the frameworks that are doing stuff. Now, do I have to write JavaScript code for UI things? Yes. But a lot of the times where I'd want classes and things, I've actually went away from that. I used to be very big on I had to create a class for every JavaScript thing. And I started to realize... It's just so much extra overhead from a developer point of view. Most times, I'm just working with my JSON object, um, which to me is right, where right. where TypeScript falls down. Is yeah, I've created this these types and things like that, but ultimately, I'm bringing in data that's does get some level of type from the server, right? Because I'm defining a if I'm using Web API, I'm defining a class as strings and ints and, and things. Ultimately, I'm taking that dynamic object and I'm sticking into another dynamic object. Because that's what's running in the browser itself. It's those still dynamic objects. Now, just for up the IntelliSense, I can't argue that you probably can be much more productive. And having the warnings probably does help you. But I'm really concerned about the, the idea of this leaky abstraction. Coming from a C-sharp background, you think this has a certain meaning. You think it's the current sure. class or the current thing you're working right. in. Where in JavaScript, it's not. Well, I'll give you a good example of this. We've all probably used jQuery. If I create a jQuery click event, and then I call a function, when I'm calling that function inside, the this is the, the button itself. And if this doesn't define, it's the window a lot of times. And that's a very simple example, but working with several hundred developers over the last five or six years working in JavaScript, a lot of them for the first time, they get very confused by this. Yeah, no, there's no question that this is uh, the this concept for developers that are used to anything from C++ to C-sharp to Java are going to say, wait, I thought that what that keyword meant was, you know, the object, uh, a reference to this particular object. But in JavaScript, that's a strange thing, right? Because there's really no such thing as classes. So what does that mean exactly to say that I'm writing a function of a class that needs to reference, you know, the object, what does that mean? And and it really, this is kind of a concession to try and make JavaScript appealing to Java developers of the day by saying, well, here, I'll give you this construct that makes you feel comfortable and at home. 
But I think, Jess, that TypeScript is trying to make the this keyword meaningful again. What TypeScript does for you is implement ECMAScript 6 arrow functions. And those what those arrow functions do for you is they automatically just fix that closure. In other words, they save a reference to this, which is exactly what you think it is, meaning the thing in the outside scope before the closure has been created, saves it to a variable, passes it in. That good old, you know, var self equals this trick, right? That's fundamentally what it's doing, but it does it for you. So it is purely syntactic sugar, because that is literally all it's doing for you is keeping a reference to this outside of the scope and then passing it into the scope. So you're guaranteed that it's always the same thing, but it is, it is amazing syntactic sugar. I mean, this is, this is great. Like this is one of those things where it just keeps you from running into those errors completely. Like it just guards you from that class of error altogether just because it saves that reference for you. And one would argue that if you were quote doing it right, then you would be saving that reference and passing it in yourself and you would save yourself from that. But this is one of the biggest problems, especially for folks new to JavaScript um, is closures and understanding what this is. And so I'm not saying it, it keeps you from having to understand and know about the whole closure and this you know issue. And if you're listening to this and, and you're not sure what we're talking about, you absolutely need to you know look into that and, and, and read up about it. But it really, it helps you as a more seasoned developer, just not have to worry about it, not have to think about it anymore. You don't have to know about it, even though you still should, you don't have to. See, that's the part I disagree with. You need, you're going to eventually have to look at this JavaScript code and understand what the heck it's doing. You're, you're going to have to do it. You can't live in this world where I only have TypeScript to deal with. It, it's, yep. a, it's me a misconception. So... Uh, yep, and I this always, is just JavaScript. As I said, this is an ECMAScript 6 feature. It's just JavaScript. Yes, but ultimately the browser currently isn't running on the run ECMAScript 6, right? Doesn't TypeScript compile down to like... Right, so literally all, this, literally all this does is creates one more line in the compiled JavaScript. It creates one more line that saves a reference to a variable of this, and it passes that variable in, and it replaces all references to the, where you're using the keyword this, it replaces all of those references to the variable this that it saved for you. It's actually called underscore underscore this. And so if you think of it that way, it is it is literally, it is syntactic sugar and it is a drop-in replacement and it ends up being exactly what you expressed, exactly what you intended. Well, I think to Todd's point, if I went in, go into the TypeScript editor and I basically, I, and I use its um, syntax to make a class and set some things to be private and then I go look at the resulting JavaScript, what I see is a pretty clever implementation of, you know, an immediately invoked function expression that basically creates a closure over an object that it creates that reveals a few pieces of itself. And, and so, yes, in the end, it ends up being JavaScript. And I will grant you this. I go look at the three lines of code <laughs> in TypeScript <laughs> that ended up producing something on the order of 25 lines of code of JavaScript and saying, yeah, there is a lot of boilerplate in, in the, in the JavaScript idioms that we've come to use. That's, that's absolutely true. Is that the benefit, Jess? Is, is more readable intent? Well, well, hold on. So yes, it is, but uh, you got there through something that, that might be a little bit confusing. So we just went from talking about this, which is actually changing your JavaScript code and kind of changing it around to basically better express your intent. So I'd argue, it, it, yes, it is changing it, but it's changing it to what you meant to say anyway, you know, what you intended to say anyway. Then we started talking about private, 
private protected, these access modifiers that, that, that ES6 adds. I'm pretty sure I was trying to do research. I'm, I'm relatively certain that ES6 add these. If not, that's fine. JavaScript or TypeScript adds them. Let's just say that then. So when you, one of, one of the, the detriments of JavaScript has always been, um, that it doesn't have true encapsulation, right? So Todd, I agree with you. JavaScript is not object oriented. There are a lot of object oriented principles, um, that it just doesn't implement or implements very poorly. You can kind of do object oriented programming kind of, but it's not object oriented. Right. And so one of those things is encapsulation and access modifiers like private and protected. So if I'm in C sharp, if I'm in Java and I say a method is or method or a property or a field is private, that literally means the compiler will at, at compile time refuse to pile any, compile any code where another class tries to reference that variable or change that variable, right? JavaScript doesn't offer that. So what TypeScript does is it still, it does, this is where a, ca a case where it does not change the outputted code, right? It will still output that code. So if I define a, a field in TypeScript that is private, I define it as private, and then I go ahead and set it anyway, even in my TypeScript code, if I set it anyway, TypeScript will yell at me, it'll throw errors, but it will still compile that code and that code will still run and it doesn't change the fact that I am accessing that. All that private and protected do in TypeScript is express my intent. It tells TypeScript, the TypeScript compiler, whenever I try and access either of these things, first of all, just don't even show them as options in the dropdown, right? In the IntelliSense. And whenever I do try and reference these things, yell at me. But if I really go ahead and I do it, then that's fine. Continue but if to you're going to use down. TypeScript, why wouldn't you heed the, the warnings? No, like, you would. You, point, you absolutely right? would. You absolutely would. So I'm, I'm just saying that this is, it's still JavaScript. That's my point that I keep coming back to, right? And so why wouldn't you, Chris, is because you're going to find yourself in these situations when you're first migrating your code over. So one of the, if not the best thing that I say about TypeScript is that, especially where we are today, where TypeScript is new to a lot of people, is that the you're, you've been writing TypeScript this whole time. Because TypeScript is JavaScript plus some more stuff, you're already writing TypeScript. If you're writing JavaScript, you're already writing TypeScript. And so the migration path is literally rename your .js files to .ts files. When you do that, you're going to start getting all of these warnings and errors that I'm talking about. But your code will still transpile. It'll still generate that JavaScript. And then you can just go through and start getting rid of these errors. So that well, is what you're saying then is it's not an all or nothing migration. You can go part of the way there. You can say, hey, I know you're yelling at me, but we're cool for now and I will get to it. Exactly. Exactly. So some of those okay. errors and warnings might be legitimate things like you're trying to do this and, and you shouldn't be doing it like it's just wrong. Those are the things that you should heed and fix your code immediately. I have a I have a story when I was trying to do a presentation. I was trying to show how how powerful TypeScript was. Um, I, I built a whole little sample application, and my intent was to get the full thing working. And then once I got it working, go back and add some of these bugs, so that in JavaScript, so that when I converted to TypeScript, it would show me these bugs. So I wrote the whole thing in JavaScript, and then I went back and I converted it to TypeScript before adding the bugs. And I had added bugs already, right? I had <laughs> I had created bugs that converting to TypeScript had shown me. And granted, that's a sample app, but it was very, I mean, that, that even blew my mind and I intended to do it in the first place, right? The other thing is that 
if you if some of these warnings are things that you really truly intended to do, right? In other words, I want this field to be private everywhere except for this one place where I want to break that encapsulation, I want to break that privacy and you know, I know what I'm doing, leave me so alone. So like friend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you can tell Java, you can tell TypeScript to butt out, right? So in in any of these scenarios, you can always fall back to JavaScript's dynamic implementation, right? Or in the cases where you're really trying to um, take advantage of JavaScript's dynamic typing, where you're, you know, you're doing some wacky, crazy dynamic stuff that just TypeScript types are basically just going to get in your way. You can always say any. You can use the any type, and you can tell TypeScript this type is any. The type of this instance is any. So just just butt out, right? Don't give me any warnings. Don't give me any error. Don't. Just treat it as a normal JavaScript type, meaning you know what just just don't give me any feedback, and so you've got that full range right so you can just convert it, you can start ignoring those errors and those warnings even when they're giving them um and then you can actually you know when 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 those errors are legitimate or not legitimate because that's what you intended to do, you can tell JavaScript via the any keyword eh, don't worry about it um and then the other cool thing is that when you convert over, uh, I kind of alluded to this earlier that TypeScript knows a lot about kind of the primitive types, the native types, the the regex and the 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 date type and everything. Um, it, it will also be very intelligent about it's called implicit typing, where since it knows about all of your code, it can kind of follow the the call stack up. So if somewhere way down in your call stack, you return a number, right? You have a function that returns a number and then you call that function and return that value and return that value. It, you can go like three levels up and TypeScript is smart enough to kind of follow that value up and follow that type up all the way up to those three levels where it says, okay, this is a number, right? Because this function way down here, three levels lower returned a, a number then that means that this variable is a number. So all of a sudden, without any adding any type information, all of these things just kind of start lighting up. And then when you go in and kind of strategically add type information, you get more and more of that, right? So it's, it's actually pretty impressive how just by adding a few strategic types here and there, you actually get a lot of value without fully converting your code over to TypeScript. So TypeScript gives us a class feature ES6, the new JavaScript gives us a class feature. So Todd, do you want that feature or is there something about it that makes you say, hey, I, I still want to just stick with JavaScript? ES5 at least. So coming from a C-sharp background, yes. Classes are, are important. How I approach development using design patterns of things, it's helpful to have classes. Interfaces would be helpful, but again, because it's it's more of a syntactic sugar, I'm not sure it would I would use those. Ultimately, though, again, take a step back. I get classes today. Now, it takes a little extra work. There, there's design patterns that have been adopted. You can use the module pattern or the revealing module pattern to get a lot of that same concepts of the private. Not you can get a lot things. of encapsulation. Yeah. Now, what, I, what I've discovered, and we pretty much do this exclusively doing this, it does require some extra code. So sure. a little bit of, I looked at TypeScript and ECMA 6.6. It does seem like I'm running less code to achieve that same thing, which would be a plus. So you can achieve classes and things today. And I would say one of the, the, the advantages I've seen so far and what I've seen with, with TypeScript is it seems like you'd write less code, which would be a plus. But I still get back to the idea, and, and Jess brought us up with the any type. 
unless you really force developers, I feel like they're going to end end up shooting themselves in the foot. They'll won't they'll try to put types in, they'll ignore the warnings, um, or they'll put any in to work around things, or they just won't put types in altogether. But don't you think they're doing that now with JavaScript? Yeah, well, that's right. ultimately, I guess, the, the thing I look at today is, even in JavaScript, I see so much crazy code. And, and ultimately, that sort of leads me into, I've been around this block before. I've worked with a lot of Microsoft technologies for web. They get popular, they start getting used, then all of a sudden something else comes around, and they drop it, or they realize it didn't work. You don't want to adopt it and then have it go away, and you're pretty confident that JavaScript isn't going away. Yes, so is it that you'll take you'll take new features to JavaScript as they come through the spec, through the browsers, and not so comfortable about taking them through TypeScript because TypeScript doesn't get the adoption that it needs to. It, Google decides in Angular 3 that, eh, you know what, people aren't really thrilled about the TypeScript thing. I'm making all of this up, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good it's always JavaScript at the end of the day, right? I mean, at the end of the day, because I get this JavaScript code, if tomorrow TypeScript went away, I would just... Delete my TS file and take what's generated, and, and and off we go. Yeah. And for the most part, with anything web, I mean, does it ever really die? <laughs> I mean, I could use <laughs> HTML3 if I wanted to to do things. Just blinking text isn't going to get me very far. So I think that's a legitimate concern, but it's a legitimate concern for any language, especially a new language. I would not consider TypeScript at this point, at the end of 2015, new. It's it's mature. It's adopted. It's widely adopted. It's only growing. And so right, while I'm I'm not necessarily arguing with you. Like, there's always the threat of it going away or, or declining, but that can be said of any technology. Correct, which is ultimately some of the challenge I have. Being someone that has to work with a lot of different customers, I got to be very picky when I pick certain technologies and things. You got to weigh the benefits versus the drawbacks, and you got to judge the technology on itself. I'm not saying that its staying power shouldn't be a factor, but it's kind of much lower on the list, right? If it solves your needs, especially today, and it's relatively mature, you know, reasonably considered that it's got staying power, then if you're having a lot of the problems that TypeScript solves, then it's probably a good fit for you. Well, I could argue I had a pretty good damn platform that Microsoft abandoned called Silverlight that solved ninety nine percent of the problems I face every day. But it didn't work. It failed. Well, because it was And a I had to face that reality and embrace HTML and JavaScript, which I'm not huge fans of. I use them because those are the language that is it's the lowest common denominator. And from my point of view, someone who has to consult to twenty or thirty different companies at any one time, I can't force them to use X or Y. I can't tell them, hey, let's use Silverlight because it's the right technology. It's there, There's drawbacks to it. So JavaScript is the lowest common denominator. So raise the denominator up to TypeScript so you can actually start taking advantage of some of these next generation features that aren't supported in the browser today, but compile down to the implementations of JavaScript that are supported in the, in the browsers today. And that is an argument for transpilers in general, not TypeScript in specific. So what TypeScript offers is, is a next gen ECMAScript uh, support, but also typing. Whether or not you should use a transpiler to use next generation features today, that's one part of the equation. And if you say, yes, oh, I do want to do that, and I'm not sure who wouldn't, I mean, you really should be doing that, then your choices, you've got a handful of choices. And so now, the, whether or not you would choose TypeScript over something else like Babel is the type system that it offers above and beyond that, right? And so are you having the kinds of problems, or will you... 
uh, get the kind of productivity out of out of the TypeScript system that uh, that TypeScript provides. So it's funny you bring it up because that is my argument. I'm not convinced yet that I should be moving to ECMA six script six. That is going to really give me what I want. Well, now ECMA script six, which obviously we can do a whole show on, is a series of features. Some of which yeah. are almost no brainers, and some of which maybe aren't so. And, yeah. and, and well, let's right. concede so, that the arg- one we can argue about is class. I mean, we could sit here and have a whole show where we argue about class in ECMAScript 6. And even if we all agreed, I'm sure we could find people who would come on and argue with us about it. Well, sure. Yeah, well, so no, but we already, we'd already talked about the arrow function, right? The arrow function actually solves a problem that a lot of people have. It, it, it fixes the this keyword in a closure for you without you even thinking about it, right? So that is, it is purely syntactic sugar, but it actually actively helps you avoid that class well, of problems. Well, and the let declaration of variables, most developers are comfortable with block scope. They're just, most are just comfortable with it. And JavaScript provides you function scope. And yep. sometimes you have to spend 10, 20, 30 minutes and several slides to explain to a new JavaScript developer or even a seasoned JavaScript developer. No, I got what, plenty of seasoned What ones. VAR is really doing and yep. what is not what is happening when you don't use VAR. Yep. And so so let, if you sort of just do this adoption of let, which is in TypeScript, right, Jess? Yes, absolutely. So yep. you just do this adoption of let and you solve a whole class of problems where you just tell your developers, look, it's the block scope you're comfortable with. So Well, right. Again, that that calls back to the fact that that was your intent in the first place, right? When developers right. were writing var x versus let x, they were intending to do what let actually implements, but the, the wacky way that JavaScript handles stuff with the block scope and function scope and all of that, it screwed it up. And it, it, you look at the code and it doesn't execute the way that it looks. It doesn't execute the way that you express it. It doesn't and execute let, the way you express it when you come from C Sharp and Java. Yeah, yes, right. There are folks yeah. in other languages who are like, what are you talking about? Right. Function scope is a thing. Yeah. Now, granted, they're not, the right. enterprise languages that we're used to talking about. Right, right. So so it sounds like maybe, is there a middle ground here for both of you where, where c- could you use TypeScript and use these, these best features that you could be really confident about, Todd, but then, but then Jess, you know, what if I say, forget it, I'm not going to buy into classes. Is that possible? So there are in the way that you define types in TypeScript, or you have two ways you can define classes, meaning the use the class, the ECMAScript six class keyword, and create classes just like you're used to in any other static typing language with constructors and and methods and and properties and things like that. Well, fields um, or getter setter properties, right? Um, or there are interfaces. Yes, and interfaces, which are almost the, the exact same syntax as interfaces in C sharp and in in Java, um, interfaces are purely compile time. They're purely to express your intent, they're and they get completely stripped out. They're con- they're contracts. Right. Yeah, they're defining the contract of the object, and they just get completely stripped out. Whereas when you create a class, that class actually generates code. It generates a class because typically classes will have some kind of logic inside of them, right? It's not just a, a property bag, yeah. as you said. Chris, There's like right? a constructor it's not just defining properties. almost always. You have, construct- and then right, you-, you have a constructor, and you can express logic right. in that constructor and blah, 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 right? And so class becomes syntactic sugar to just help you create, help you implement that prototypical inheritance. So when it gets, when it gets rendered out, when it gets transpiled to JavaScript, it gets rendered into a constructor function and then function dot prototype dot method, you know, function dot prototype dot 
property or whatever. And it, it, it implements the kind of proper canonical um, prototypical classes that, that you're supposed to be writing in, in JavaScript. Supposed to meaning... If you, know, you want to follow taking, the constructor function pattern, yes. right? Right. And so many patterns, many alternative patterns have emerged over the years just because writing at the very least using that prototypical pattern and saying dot prototype dot blah 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 very verbose very you know kind of a lot of boilerplate there yeah a lot of boilerplate and so um for that and you know other reasons these other patterns have evolved like the revealing module and everything and and as i keep saying typescript is just javascript so you still can use those patterns but you you have to far less right so Patterns like revealing module and and the module pattern, they help implement encapsulation, true encapsulation, taking advantage of that scoping um, and creating a closure that a variable will live in. So you literally physically, it is practically impossible short of like jumping into JavaScript memory and finding it and manipulating it. It is practically impossible to actually change that value and reference that value versus, as I mentioned before, TypeScript just calling a value private a field private doesn't actually make it inaccessible. It just yells at you if you try and access it. Um, but at runtime, you know, if you're compile time checking all of your code, then that's generally good enough. In other words, marking that field as private is generally good enough because you're never ever going to actually keep that field from being manipulated at runtime. You know, if you have a rogue script on your page that goes and wants to manipulate that variable, it's going to be able to access it somehow, right? It's you're never there is no protected space in in JavaScript, um, and so what really matters is your intent and um, getting yelled at when you're you're doing something wrong, right? When you're accessing a variable that you that you shouldn't be. Um, so, well, let's clarify. Classes, let's though, clarify. TypeScript yeah. has classes. It yeah. has inheritance. ECMAScript 6 has classes. Okay, well, actually, I, I, I kind of want to stick to TypeScript for a second because the reality is is that TypeScript could, like, transpile to Ruby someday. I'm not sure why you'd want to do that. But it is an abstraction. So, like, who cares, right? I, I want to put this in the in terms that, like, a C-sharp developer would understand. And, and TypeScript has classes. It has inheritance. It has public, private, well, so protected that you're used to. And then one more the thing. The reason I'm making that distinction is that ECMAScript 6 has classes. Oh. ECMAScript 6 does not have inheritance. Okay. Okay. And then it has interfaces, which is not an ECMAScript 6. Right. Are interfaces the big win? Is that really the uh, biggest win? Because now you can start to define like, hey, to other developers, you're defining what a function call is going to look like. Right. So if you were to start using classes, and now I haven't really used ECMAScript 6 classes in a in a uh, an editor that supports ECMAScript 6, but presumably um, the argument I made earlier about IntelliSense and only seeing those four members that you defined in your class, presumably a good editor, ECMAScript 6 editor, if you define an ECMAScript 6 class with four, method, four uh, members, then the IntelliSense would only give you those four members, right? So Presumably that argument would go for a good ECMAScript 6 editor. So in that case, yes. Yeah. So uh, TypeScript adds interfaces, which are design time throwaway metadata, just more information for the compiler to give you better feedback. The other cool thing about interfaces is type uh, declarations. Um, and so 
you actually have type definition files. So if you go out to uh, definitely typed, there's a project called definitely typed that has a bunch of type definitions. And these are like C header files, right? They describe the contract of a thing without actually including the implementation. And you can go and find these things for all of your favorite open source library. It's a big GitHub project. You can go and contribute to it. If you create your own library, you can go and create the headers for it and submit it to definitely typed. And so all the big ones, jQuery, Angular, you know, anything that you want, you go out there and you get these definition files or .d.ts files and they describe, they give you that in those interfaces. It's all interfaces at the end of the day. And so they give you those interfaces and so you can say pull down jQuery.js, the JavaScript implementation, not TypeScript implementation, and then pull down the TypeScript definition for that JavaScript library and now you have full TypeScript IntelliSense on that, regardless of the fact that it was not implemented in TypeScript. You use interfaces to describe the contract of your code, and then you can also have interfaces that describe contracts for other external libraries that are in JavaScript. Is TypeScript a leaky extraction over JavaScript? We've already heard that in some cases it's not because it's just implementing ES6 features. In some ways, it's acting as I Babel, think we're getting too but caught there are other features where that is not the case. Not, for frankly, to me, the real world, I have to live in this JavaScript. And maybe this is how I approach JavaScript. I'm writing JavaScript code, sometimes right from the browser. I'm in the command line, I'm in the console of, of Chrome. That's where we're running a lot of our JavaScript nowadays. So to me, because that's the world I live in, I'm just not convinced that even transpilers are buying me a whole lot. I do like classes. So there's part of me that, that's kind of drawn towards that. The types to me are just another layer. And when I deal with leaky abstraction, what I'm thinking about is I have one set of code I've, I've my developers written. And now I'm trying to deal with it in the browser, and the code looks totally different. All of a sudden now I have 60, or 30, 60 lines of code that ended up getting generated because the developer, he tried to express one tent, but he ended up creating a mess. And now I have this even bigger mess. I'm not so concerned. Again, source maps. You know, I'm not saying source maps are the silver bullet, but source maps, if you're really looking to debug your source, debug your TypeScript in, visual, in, uh, in, in the browser, in Chrome, source maps solve that. You can do that, right? So that is the debug experience. But So I'm not so concerned about what it gets transpiled to and what's actually running as long as it can map back to a, to a source map. Um, but I do agree that... Um, the fact that I am defining a, a class using the class keyword and a constructor and, and methods and properties and all of these things, um, th those, those, those come along with a certain baggage, especially for folks coming from a strongly typed, uh, a statically typed language such as C sharp. Like when you make a method in C sharp on a, on an instance, on a, on a class and a, it has a pretty specific meaning and that is not the same meaning in JavaScript or in TypeScript because JavaScript is not, JavaScript does not implement the same inheritance structure that C Sharp and Java right. do, right? So it's not object inheritance. It's not that classic inheritance. Um, it is prototypical inheritance, which is similar, but completely right. different, right? So in other words, in, it, it behaves very similarly. When you say, when you just define a, a quote base class and then derive from that, and then you call a method on that base class, it works, 
most of the time unless you've screwed something up. But it doesn't work the same way that it works in C sharp, right? It happens to look like it works the same exact way, but it's not at all working the same exact way. What's really happening with prototypical inheritance, it's that it's saying, do I have a member with this name? If so, go ahead and execute it. If not, go up my inheritance tree and go and see if my parent right. has one. Does my parent have one? No. Go up the next level, blah, blah, blah. That is prototypical inheritance. That's not what happens in C Sharp. Well, not to mention that in JavaScript, you can create that inheritance chain on the fly. And that's not possible in C Sharp. And I mean, we this is a whole show on prototypical inheritance. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is where it can become a leaky abstraction. If you are trying to write classes as they are in C sharp, they're not the same. And so, you know, they look like they're, you're using the same keywords to define them, right? Sure. And you, they look syntactically almost exactly the same, but the implementation and to your point, Todd, what actually gets transpiled down is completely different and it operates at runtime completely differently. So the, the idea of a leaky abstraction is, all right, so I, I've built this class or I built this inheritance structure, right? Which a lot of people coming from the C-chart background, they're used to that, right? They're used to types, they're used to the way this works and things like that. Well, my concern is they're going to still approach it like C-sharp. They're not going to think like a JavaScript developer. Because if you think like a JavaScript developer and you say, all right, I want to use classes and Equifix script gives me this and then TypeScript gives me this, you're probably going to be fine because you probably already understand how... Yes. Uh, prototypal inheritance works and closures yes. work and yes. and how they apply word keyword works and some other things. Yes. But if you approach it as I'm a C sharp developer or I'm a Java developer, now I'm writing JavaScript code without really understanding JavaScript first, I think you're going to you're gonna you're going to create a lot of problems for yourself. Absolutely. I think this is probably the one the one statement that we agree most on, right? So Going back to it, TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript. It is not a port of C Sharp. It is not, you know, has nothing to do with other static type languages. It is a superset of JavaScript. It adds type information, compile time type information to JavaScript. And so the first step, learn JavaScript. Specifically, learn ECMAScript 6, right? Because then you can leverage all of that stuff. Learn JavaScript, learn prototypical inheritance, learn all of that stuff. Now use TypeScript and ECMAScript 6 to take advantage of that syntactic sugar to do it better, right? So if you come, if you're a C-sharp developer, it's going to be very alluring to you. It'll probably be much quicker to pick up because the syntax is very similar. The concepts are very similar, at least from superficially. And so conceptually and syntactically, it would probably be pretty easy to pick up but that's no excuse for learning what's actually happening underneath in terms of JavaScript. Not underneath in terms of what is being transpiled out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the concepts of prototypical inheritance, the concepts of closures. So ultimately, though, isn't that the problem or one of the big challenges with web form developers? Well, then we got huge view state. They tried to abstract away among the other problems web and create a mess. Right. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not saying TypeScript is exactly the same. I'm just a little concerned that I can see people shooting no, themselves in the foot. No, because it's, it's not, it is not a leaky abstraction. It can be a leaky abstraction if you start applying those C-sharp concepts to it, if you start applying that classic inheritance concepts to it, when it's not. It's prototypical inheritance. So you know, the, the, it looks like it might be something else, and if you treat it as that something else that it's not, then it becomes a leaky abstraction. 
and it's not obvious that you're that you're doing that right if you don't know any better then you're you're it is it becomes a leaky abstraction and it's going to bite you but if you know what prototypical inheritance is if you know how to use javascript it is not it is not a leaky abstraction it truly is javascript plus some extra stuff to help you out so we brought up a couple of things that i want to kind of touch on a little bit we talk about a little bit of ecmascript 6 having classes and things um the other thing I want to kind of talk about is we talked a lot about do you have to compile this code, right? And I guess we should talk about that first. We have to compile TypeScript code, right? We have to have some compiler there. Visual Studio comes with one. Visual Code comes with one. Jess, you mentioned like WebStorm and some of the other uh, things come with one. IDs and stuff come with one. What if you're working in an environment where you're not really compiling code? What if you're like WordPress or SharePoint? Or like a lot of people, even in my case, I'm building a lot of applications that are just SBA, pure SBAs. There is no server-side component involved at all. Do you see? Do you think those types of people eventually they will take advantage of TypeScript? So that is that is one of the downsides. So I have in my notes for this show, um, I have the good and the bad. Those are my two categories. And of course, my good list is, you know, 20 bullet points. But (laughs) one of my five bullet points of the bad is that it is it's one more build step. There's no getting around that. It is not just JavaScript that runs in the browser. Even once ECMAScript 6 is fully supported, your types are never going to be, well, I'm not going to say never. Maybe TypeScript will be supported in the browser one day, or at least in Edge. Uh, <laughs> but it, That it, owns up not, all other can of worms. <laughs> it's not ECMAScript 6. It will not run in your browser. Um, it's certainly not ECMAScript 5, right? And so you do need that transpilation step. My argument against that, that's a perfectly legitimate concern, and if you do not have a build step today, then you'll we will have to add that you'll have to download the tools you'll have to learn the tools and by learn the tools it's a very simple command line um or integration into whatever your favorite editor is uh and so i'm not dismissing any of that that is that is more stuff that you need to install that's a bigger development environment um but my argument is that if you don't already have a javascript build chain why not right at the very least you should be minifying your javascript code Right. And so in other words, the, even if you are writing pure JavaScript today, even if you're writing ECMAScript 5 JavaScript today, the JavaScript that you write should never be the JavaScript that runs in the browser because at the very least it should be minified, maybe combined. Right. And so by the time you're doing that, adding types to it is just is just one more thing. And then now you just use another tool in, in your build chain. Right. And so it is a legitimate concern. Concern. It's one more step, but it's a step in a build chain that should already be there with standard JavaScript. Unfortunately, I've run across quite a few places that don't even do that. Yeah, the concept of minification is is, is a foreign thing. You don't need to do that. You can write JavaScript and then you can just FTP that JavaScript to your server and run it happily without being minified. Or you can just throw it all in your HTML page and be happy exactly. To- <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. And maybe this is the problem. Why I'm hesitant for TypeScript, is it doesn't seem like it solves the problems I think are important today. Like adding types and adding classes, it doesn't sell me. I feel like there's so much other problems wrong with web development, I'd rather focus on those problems. And until the browsers support it, how many people are going to really use it? It doesn't matter. That's the beauty of any transpiler, is that it doesn't matter. You're compiling down to ECMAScript 5. 
So you're, you are now, as a developer, able to take advantage of the productivity gains that ECMAScript 6 provides, but you are still writing compatible code that will run in any browser today via ECMAScript 5. So, right, and then when the world finally catches up to you, then you can just drop the transpilation step. There's probably some good people that could argue that having classes isn't necessarily going to include, in, increase your productivity. We're looking at C-sharp developers as being a good thing. If you never come from a C-sharp background, you could argue classes are an extra layer of complexity. It's not really making it more productive to you. Well, it's kind of changing the conversation from TypeScript to even just JavaScript. And so I've, I've hesitated to do that because I feel like there's a whole show there. But uh, I can tell you I don't care at all about classes coming to ES6. And the reason why is I still think the underlying platform of JavaScript is still objects that are bags of properties that link to other objects through their prototype that I'm free to change for any reason. And the class syntax is syntactic sugar, just the way the async await syntax in C sharp is syntactic sugar for a state machine that implements your callbacks for you. I mean, that's a horrible nutshell, but it's a truth. That's all I feel the ES6 class is. I actually feel the TypeScript class is probably stronger Yes. So I, I agree. So I agree with, with your criticism of ECMAScript 6 classes. If it sounded like I was pushing for them earlier, I, I was not. I was just stressing that this is a feature in ECMAScript 6. But ECMAScript, in other words, you don't need to define a class. You can define types through in TypeScript simply through interfaces. In other words, when you compile, when you transpile, all of that info in type information will just completely be stripped out and you'll be left with your raw JavaScript. The result of that, if you do it without classes, is the reason you're creating a class is to group like code, right? And add members, methods on top of an instance. It, it basically implement a prototypical inheritance, right? And so either you're left with, now you have to write all of that boilerplate prototypical inheritance stuff, which is just... It's just boilerplate code that's just obnoxious to write. Or you end up going and implementing the same thing in one of these other patterns, like revealing module or something like that, which is much cleaner. Um, but And then you also define an interface that describes that object that you're creating. right? And so basically, it's more work to do that. It's just easier to just define a class in TypeScript and, and do both at the same time. right? So in other words, it will generate that prototypical inheritance and also have that contract, that type information. So when you say TypeScript classes are stronger, yes, um, I completely agree for that reason. When you say that when you're criticizing ECMAScript 6 classes, it's basically just an alternative to prototyping, writing all, all, all that boilerplate prototype typical code. Um, and it encourages the, you know, the misconception that you're actually doing object oriented development, right? You're, 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 you're not using that prototypical inheritance. So it basically, it has yeah. all the possible detriments without really I feel like, much like of the, when I look the, at TypeScript the, after uh, us talking about it is I upside. say, you know, if you really want the experience of being able to define types, um, to be able to have some static type checking for you, defining contracts through interfaces, and bringing some sanity to the this keyword for someone who is used to how it works mm -hmm. in C Sharp or Java, and you want some ES6 mm -hmm. features, which are pretty valuable, and even want some proposed features like async await, well, then TypeScript wraps it up for you in a bow, and it's going to work for you. And 
a lot of web development shops are already doing uh yep. i don't want to call it transpiling but they're already doing a build tool chain anyway because they might be using SaaS or less or minifying or bundling and so then it's kind of hey this isn't really that much to add if you aren't interested in uh types and classes yep. which is heresy for a lot of .NET developers but be quite honest something i'm interested in is treating javascript as the functional language that it really is and well and you can use interfaces to find functions as well you yeah, can define your contracts sure. for your functions you can in other words you can define a type and i'm using type in in air quotes but you can def you can you define the contract oh, and signature of your function that's interesting so that sounds like a does show. fully support <laughs> functional programming too Yep. Well, so the the easiest way to really truly understand oh, that is no, to go true. and look yeah, at that type, right. the definition file for jQuery, right? What's more functional than jQuery? And so it's very interesting, the syntax. It's completely different than the class-based syntax that you're going to be writing to create your applications. Um, but it is purely functional and well, not purely, that means some pure functions are different. It is functional. <laughs> it is completely functional. So, and the other thing is with, with the, the one last thing I wanted to mention, um, the other ECMAScript, again, ECMAScript 6 uh, thing that it implements is modules. So ECMAScript 6 modules, or you can, you can compile down to, uh, you know, require JS modules, JSPM modules. Um, yeah, right. But it, it supports modules, which just encourage you to kind of structure your code better. And it just kind of implicitly, without you having to do anything, implicitly guards you from polluting that global scope. So in other words, you open up a, uh, you know, a, a, a client.ts file and you start writing in what looks like global scope, but when you load that using a module system, it gets loaded into its own scope and it's not polluting the global scope. Um, so it really encourages that behavior and it supports it very well. Uh, the downside of that is, is right now, until ECMAScript 6 is, in, is implemented, um, and actually in order to run that, you actually need another library. There's no polyfill for that. You need a library like Require.js or System.js or JSPM or something to actually load those modules. But that's another very intriguing thing that just kind of implicitly helps you better organize your code and, again, guard you from those those classic mistakes of uh, you know relying on global variables and, and things like that. So, it's, so Chris, it's funny you, you met what you were talking about is I'm all for. I, I love classes, and, and I definitely went out of my way to make classes work in JavaScript. But I ultimately come back to the idea that I'm just not convinced TypeScript is solving that problem well. And, and maybe it's because I haven't used it enough. That's the honest truth. I haven't used it enough to have a good opinion about TypeScript versus other transcompilers. And that's, that's my own personal prejudice against it. I just don't feel like it's going to help developers, I think it's actually going to cause more problems. Well, do you use transpilers at all? Do you use CoffeeScript or even Babel? Nope. Uh, and I don't even, and I'm not a fan of them for CSS either. Right. So you're just, right. You're just not a fan of transpilers in general is really. I'm not, a, I the like problem. the idea of working in pure web technology, right? Not trying to add a layer of abstraction, which is funny because I love abstraction when it comes to writing code. And, um, Ultimately, probably my, my biggest concern... You call has it been, funny, I call it frustrating. <laughs> well, you can try it, yeah. uh, Has been probably the adoption more than anything else. 
And the fact that, that Angular 2 has decided to embrace TypeScript definitely has changed my interest in it. Because I definitely assume I'm going to be doing a lot of Angular 2 development um, within a year or two. And so that, to me, opens the door for me to go, you know what? I need to take another look at this. Yes. So that that's kind of my wrap-up. Those are my final thoughts, is starting out with uh, Google and the most popular browser-based MVC framework, in other words, Angular 2, and basically the rest of the world have, have totally embraced TypeScript. So I don't think it's going anywhere, right? We, we talked about it earlier. So the fact that, that Google and Angular 2, which is currently the most popular, arguably the most popular MVC framework right now, it is behind it is you know it's it's going to have adoption it's going to have staying power i'm not saying it's going to live forever I'm just saying in the near future it's going to be sticking around um because of that perhaps because of that it's it's very mature right it's been around for a while there's a lot of places using it a lot of very large applications have been built like the visual studio code editor completely built in typescript um and the angular js framework as as we mentioned um and it's got cross-platform support, pure cross-platform support. So in fact, when I'm on Windows, my compiler, my TypeScript compiler, my, my preferred TypeScript compiler is actually the NPM module. So I'll actually download NPM, I'll install the TypeScript compiler through NPM, which will run on any platform, and that's what I'm using to compile my TypeScript. Regardless of the fact that I have full-blown Visual Studio, which also has TypeScript in it, I don't even use that. I use Visual Studio Code, and I use NPM, the, the TypeScript implementation in NPM. Um, and then finally, it's open source. So if you're the one who likes to build languages and compilers like in your spare time, you can contribute right alongside with Anders and the rest of the other insane geniuses. Yeah, sometimes you can learn a lot about something by looking at the code. I found that with ASP.NET 5, or even when ASP.NET was open source on CodePlex, or at least it was source open. How does something work? And then you go, oh, okay, I see what they did. Yeah. So there's at least that possibility, right? It's definitely true with JavaScript. I mean, if you look at just jQuery, how it solved a lot uh, yeah. of the problems, you can learn mm -hmm. a lot about how to build good JavaScript code, or even Angular. Yeah. Yep. Right. I'm actually very curious, as I start looking at more Angular 2, how it solves a lot of the problems that Angular 1 had. To me, that's that's the real the real value of this. Yep. Um. So my closing thought is, and, and I think it's 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 good and bad. The good thing is, and we we said this quite a bit over and over again. Ultimately, you're still working with JavaScript, right? We're not writing C sharp code, and then we end up with JavaScript. So that means that you can adopt this as you 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 feel like it makes sense for you. My caution to people is, do not forget to actually learn JavaScript, right, and master it. I still yep. stand by that statement. Understand yep. closures. Understand procedural inheritance. Understand the this keyword. Understand the types and how they work in JavaScript. Then use ECMAScript 6, 6, and then use uh, TypeScript to make yourself a better JavaScript developer. Absolutely. Don't, don't just learn it to avoid learning JavaScript because you will shoot yourself in the foot. Sooner or later, you will have a, a, a problem that you, because you didn't choose to actually learn JavaScript... I think you're going to create a mess for yourself. TypeScript is not a silver bullet. It's not going to make you not know JavaScript, not need to know JavaScript. You're going to need to know JavaScript. I am going to take a stab and say that I think that an idiomatic TypeScript developer is probably more similar to the next TypeScript developer. So now you can go hire a developer because <laughs> how hard is it to hire JavaScript developers? 
Whereas if you get 10 JavaScript developers, you get 12 opinions about JavaScript. Everything from the JavaScript developer who's actually really just a jQuery expert to the JavaScript developer who says uh, the language has bad parts that I'm never going to use. And that actually causes friction on the team because your other JavaScript developer is coming from C Sharp and Java and expects to see constructor functions and the use of new. And so all of these developers conflict with each other. And I'm going to take a stab and say, I think TypeScript adoption in an organization will mean you at least minimize that um, compared to trying to quote unquote adopt JavaScript and then have a real nightmare yeah. of trying to hire similarly minded JavaScript developers. Yeah. And you listener, what do you think? Is it an abomination or is it a godsend? Uh, are you using TypeScript? Do you plan on using it soon? Or you leverage JavaScript? You love JavaScript? You never want to move away from it? Uh, we want to know. So please leave a comment on the website, staticvoidpodcast.com, or send an email to comments at staticvoidpodcast.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And as always, if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, please feel free to let us know through those same channels. Uh, we want to make sure that we are talking about the things that you actually want to hear about. Otherwise, we're just wasting your time or wasting our time. Uh, Chris, Todd, thanks for the chat. Yeah, thanks. Yep. It was fun. And thank you, listener, for spending the time with us. We hope it was valuable for you, and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Static Void Podcast.